in the decades to come, this will be the way that people truly forgive. Because once you learn it, it makes miracles happen. Like I'm not broken anymore. I'm whole. I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have all these things that the ego tells you you need to be whole and to approve of yourself. Because I found this right mind that speaks of love and peace and innocence and it's whole. There's no lack involved. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of sacred journeys, spirit encounters, near-death experiences, angels, mysteries, marvels and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary people reveal their extraordinary encounters. I acknowledge the Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land of Sutherland Shire in Australia, where I live and record Spirit Sisters, and I recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and community. I pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. I love that you're here with us today. In 1982, the Australian Prime Minister was Malcolm Fraser. Michael Jackson released his thriller album. Prince William was born, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial premiered in cinemas. And, in her bedroom in a beachside suburb east of Sydney, an eight-year-old called Natasha McKenna received a visit from God. Tash, as she's known, is my guest today on Spirit Sisters in part one of a two-part conversation. Tash is a spiritual teacher and true forgiveness healer. As an eight-year-old trauma survivor, hearing the audible voice of God sparked the beginning of a 40-year spiritual odyssey that pushed her to the depths of despair. Throughout her life, with a commerce degree to lean on, Tash has worked in a myriad of roles, including talent booker and marketing manager, before being guided to dedicate her life entirely to bringing through the teachings that she's received. Tash is the author of The Treasure Map of True Forgiveness, Faith, and The I Forgive Principle. In Tash's words, this is the true way to forgive that has been gifted by God. It is how you change your mind from the wrong mind of judgment and attack to the right mind of peace and love that precedes spiritual awakening. It is how you truly heal and make miracles your own. As you'll hear in the opening minutes, Tash and I are friends, having met in unlikely circumstances some years ago. We also found out we were both students of the Spiritual Self-Study, A Course in Miracles, a channeled work which teaches forgiveness as a path to healing and inner peace. As you're about to hear, what Tash teaches is a kind of corollary to A Course in Miracles, or ASIM as it's known for short, in that she offers how to forgive from the right mind. Tash was instructed to call her process true forgiveness, and she shares a fascinating story about how all of that unfolded. She also reveals her near-death experience and other mystical experiences, including a profound journey outside of time. This is a challenging episode and an advanced teaching, so I invite you to open wide your heart and mind to it and take your time with it. Tash, who was raised in a non-religious setting, uses traditional Christian terms in fresh and surprising ways, much like A Course in Miracles. For instance, her definition of God is the wholeness of perfect love or beingness over bodily identification. Before we begin, please note that this episode references suicide, eating disorders, substance abuse and post-traumatic stress disorder. If you need support and you're in Australia, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Outside of Australia, please search for your local support services. Enjoy my conversation with Tash McKenna, sharing her full story publicly for the first time. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to Spirit Sisters. Hi, Karina. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's very exciting this day for both of us, I think. And as I was preparing for today, I was thinking about when we met and how we met and how curious those circumstances were about how long ago, do you reckon? About a decade ago or so? 
Uh, I don't think that long, maybe like six years, six or seven years Seven probably. maybe, yeah, yep. yeah. And do you want to share that story or? Or do you want to? <laughs> okay, so I happened to be at a an event. I won some tickets and uh, you were the, the person that stood out that I, that I met there that night and, and the, the friend that I was with at this event, when we left, uh, she actually turned around and said, I think the only reason we were there tonight was for you to connect with Karina, so... That's right. And the other curious thing about it, so the event was a, it's quite funny, it was Who, the Who magazine Sexiest People Party. So it was quite a big event. And as you mm-hmm. say, you had won the tickets. But two things I think uh, interesting for the listeners to know. One is that at that time, that was a very unlikely thing that you did, you told me, to even apply for this competition, enter the competition, because you weren't somebody that was interested in going to these kinds of parties. Is that right, Natasha? Totally true. It would probably have been my second night out in, oh gosh, second or third night out in close to a decade. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. So there's that piece. The second one is that you actually won the competition, which you probably, I can imagine that that gave you a lot of amusement when you found out. Well, it was, I, I, to be fair, I only saw the competition at four o'clock and it closed at five o'clock on the Friday <laughs> afternoon. So I saw the competition, I actually ran down and I, and I got something and yeah, and I, it turns out I won. <laughs> and I, I almost meet you though. Oh yeah, definitely. I almost didn't go that night. I can't remember what the background was or what was going on, but I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling too, you know, I wasn't feeling in the mood. I too hadn't really been going out much and at the last minute I decided to go. So we met, we talked about A Course in Miracles among lots of other things. We How talked did about that even eventually. <laughs> Good question. A Course in Miracles, Sexiest People Party, you know, all about the the physical manifestation of bodies and and egos. And there we are talking about, you know, deep spiritual matters. So good question, Tash. How did that eventuate? It was lovely, though, to connect with you. Uh, I found a, a sister there, I would say. I feel like that too. So I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show today. Ever since you started to tell me your story and you began on that night at the party and that was just the tip of the iceberg and in the years that have progressed, more of your story has trickled out to me and I am just mesmerised by it actually. And I've been, and when I started the podcast, I tried to get you on the show then, you weren't ready and so... When you contacted me, I think it was Christmas time, and said, I'm ready now, I thought, okay, so here we are, we're recording, and something else curious for the listeners to know, we're throwing out the script, I had a plan in mind of how this was going to go, but Tash, um, just minutes before we started recording, asked me to turn that whole thing upside down, (laughs) so we're going to go with her guidance, and where would you like to begin, Tash? Well, I would like to start with a song of prayer to open up this space to clean the space of the dark shadows of separation to allow the truth of light to extend forth between us and to inspire and motivate and guide. Beautiful. Now, what is the song of prayer? This is, is this something that you have written? No. So the ego teaches our prayer to entreat. So we're begging God for help. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Okay, so that is a wrong-minded prayer. Like all prayer is divine, don't get me wrong. So if you are praying like that to God, it is completely fine. You have to trust where you're at. However, there is a true prayer that I have been taught by God. Now, this takes you from the ego mind of judgment and attack, the belief in separation and littleness, to the right mind within, which is home to peace and love. Now, the for the, for the listeners... The right mind. Have you have you ever received like a, a hunch or a gut feeling sometime, Karina? Sure. Well, this is the right mind. Now, if you can learn to shift your awareness from the ego mind, the brain, deep down to the subconscious mind by truly forgiving the layers within, you will become in contact with God at all times. So there will no longer be no sporadic hunches or gut feels. It will be moment to moment God will start to guide you. So now I would like to clear this space. And I'll present a song of prayer. Go ahead. I forgive the need to trust. 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 I forgive the need to let fear go. I forgive the need to let the ego go. I forgive letting the ego go. I forgive the need to forget the ego. 
I forgive the ego. I forgive the choice for the ego. I forgive myself for being guilty for choosing the ego over God. I forgive the need to not choose the ego over God. I forgive the need to not choose the ego. I forgive the need to not be the ego. I forgive the need to not be the ego. I forgive the choice for the ego. I forgive the choice for leaving God. I forgive leaving God. I forgive leaving God. I forgive the need to not leave 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 God. Well, that's an introduction to the Song of Prayer. And uh, how did I do that? I basically took my thinking from the ego mind and I dropped it deep down into the subconscious mind where the layers of sin, guilt and fear can be found. And I started to truly forgive each layer. Now, if you do go deep enough within, and you do have to go deep within, which I did not do now, you will find the right mind that is in constant contact with God. Now, that is a true prayer. And that's how you sing to God. Thank you, Tash. So one thing that will be apparent to the audience, as it was to me as I'm listening, is that it is a deepening. It's going down, 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 you know, peeling off the layers and finding ever more layers beneath there. And as you said, you could have kept on going. So that's that's a fascinating idea that it's about uncovering in order to find what's true. Like the idea is that perhaps since birth, I, I'm gathering, we've been almost covered up with layers and layers and layers of conditioning. And it's about now unpeeling all of that to find what's true. That is so correct, Karina. Everything that you need and want is inside you. Like great seers of the past have spoken this, but they didn't offer a treasure map to find your way through the darkness to the light. Now the key is to go deep within and to just keep truly forgiving every barrier. Now most people get stuck and they say there's nothing within or I can do it for five minutes and and then there's nothing there. But this is actually called an ego block. It's quite deceptive of the ego because... The ego has created all these rules and laws to uh, keep you chained to its belief in separation. And it's a belief in separation that is a true cause of every suffering we face in time. Like, for example, if you've got a partner and he cheats on you or you cheat on them, we get stuck in the story and we blame them and say how sinful they are and how bad that they hurt us. But when you learn how to truly forgive this true prayer, which is a song of prayer to God, because it removes every barrier to the awareness of love's presence within you, you realize that the true cause is that you cheated on God with the ego. That's why you must truly forgive everyone and everything for what you see on the world of form projects from what is inside you. A few ideas are coming up as you're talking, but I think one thing that would be helpful to establish for the audience is some terms of reference. So when you talk about God and when mm-hmm. you talk about the ego, tell us what your, what your definitions are. Okay, so the ego is the the brain. It's the judgmental thoughts where you have uh, different thoughts about things that just run through your mind a mile a minute and it tells you that you're separate and that you're this little self and you're egotistical if you think that you're great. But that is egotistical to think that the separate self is great. However, hidden within you is the right mind. As I said, it's very deep within the subconscious mind. Uh, It's where you get that divine guidance from, those gut feels, the hunches that you sporadically get. As I said, if you learn to shift from your awareness from up in your brain, deep down within to the light that is hidden underneath those layers of darkness in the subconscious mind, you'll be in constant contact with God, which is the wholeness of perfect love. So God is not separate. Uh, It just means beingness over bodily identification. So oneness. You have a very harrowing and absolutely intriguing and somewhat tragic and also very beautiful backstory that has led you to this awakening. And it's been 40 years in the making. This this year marks 40 years since you had your first experience of the oneness that you just referenced. Now, we're going to dive into your backstory, most likely in episode two of our conversation. But for now, Tash, could you please set up what happened to you in your bedroom when you were eight years old and you experienced this oneness? Well, 
I have always, I come from a non-religious nor spiritual family, which is uh, very ironic. So much so that my parents didn't want me to do scripture in primary school, uh, but I always had a, a deep love for God so much. So when my mother, when I was a little girl, was telling me what to do, I turned back and screamed to her and said, don't tell me what to do. You are not my parent. God is. Uh, and in that moment, my mum looked at my dad and was, where did this child come from? So I was always very sensitive, uh, very spiritual. But in 1982, when I was eight years of age, I was suffering so much in life that I did not believe I could live another moment. And so for three weeks, I was planning on a way to end, the, end my life, to, to commit suicide. And so my mind kept thinking of how I could do this, how I could get out of this world, because I did not want to uh, to be here. And then at eight years of age, this uh, night in question, I was lying in my old, uh, my voice is clamming up on me now, uh, in my old uh, childhood bedroom. And as I was lying there late at night, and I was, I was in this little ball and I was I was shaking. I had constant, I would call them locusts swirling in my, in my belly. That's how frightened I was day and night when suddenly the room that was terrifying, every moment was terrifying to me, just went as perfect love, like so whole and complete. The room went from completely terrifying to every drop of fear literally dissolved from my body in one moment. I remember thinking, I can breathe. Like I literally took my first breath because from moment to moment, as I said, it felt like I had, I called them locusts. I know my parents used to say, it's anxiety and uh, you've got butterflies in your belly, but it was actually locusts for me. Then from my ceiling above me, as I was breathing and just, I really felt love for the first time. That's how I would describe it. And my parents completely loved me, so don't get me wrong. But uh, there was this male presence, a physical voice, and he said, my precious child, please do not be afraid. For one day in your 20s, you will understand. It was more real to me than this world itself. You would think it would be strange that I'd heard a, a seemingly audible voice and nobody was there as an eight-year-old girl but it was so loving but so powerful at the same time I knew it was true it was more like I said it was more real than this world I also knew when he had left because I was he didn't never say goodbye and he also never said he loved me but I'd never felt a love so pure and perfect and powerful and divine and I just knew how much he loved me from his words but when he left I was back to shaking in terror and as a little girl of eight, I remember thinking, eight is not even 10. 10 is half of 20. I'm not even halfway. How am I going to hang on? Because I was hanging on from day to day to get through. And I was hanging on because I was dreaming of a career that I knew I was born to do. I didn't know what it was, but I used to dream that I was traveling around, helping, traveling around the world, helping people and animals. So I was holding on to this dream from a very young age, but the suffering from day to day, from moment to moment, was too much for me to keep putting on a smiley face, as I like to call it, and, and pretend to the world that everything was okay. It's also at this time that I would often think, I wonder if the other children are pretending to be happy, just like me. And so I lied in bed and I was pondering if I could hold on, because I assumed that the, the mention of the 20s was the year after 19. And so for the next 12 years, I did everything I could to hold on, to, to finish, to move through my teens, to hold on to 20. But things continued to get worse for me and uh, little did I know that the mention of the 20s would be the decade of time that we've arrived in here 40 years later. To be honest, if God had have told me at eight years of age I would have to wait 40 years, I would not have been able to hold on. So he didn't lie to me. He twisted the truth a little bit but enough to give me a message of hope and of love to hold on that there was a reason as to why I was going through the suffering that I did. And looking back, I had to be so destroyed that when God revealed to me the true way to forgive and the true way to heal, which is called the treasure map, which saved my life, I must add, yeah, I would have enough conviction in it to start to anchor it into consciousness. Now, I just want to unpack it a little bit. Firstly, you mentioned that at age eight, and and honestly, Tash, to think that you were suffering so much at age eight is is hard, isn't it? It's painful to think of a darling little eight-year-old girl in the throes of so much suffering. And I've got to say, you, yeah. you kind of got me, Karina, because I normally sit in the right mind now, and I do want to stress this to your listeners, that all pain and suffering comes from the ego mind, the choice to be separate. So I've actually escaped 
suffering now because I set my awareness in the right mind. However, coming back into the story now, I have to shift back into the ego mind because the story happens to the ego mind. And that's obviously why that, that all suffering belongs to the ego mind. So I just wanted to make that clear uh, for the audience that when I don't speak about my story, I teach and I'm in the right mind, which is where you, where you need to teach from. Uh, but as we're going back into the ego mind now, I'm going back into the story of the separate self, which is where weakness belongs. But it's also what took you to this point of becoming a spiritual teacher and revealed to you what was true. So that's something you teach too, I think, Tash, isn't it, that there are gifts in our suffering? Yeah, had, look, darkness, people run from darkness, Karina, but had I not have experienced so much suffering, I would still be the separate self of Natasha, uh, thinking I was part seeking to find a soulmate, a partner to make me whole. I would have the children, the white picket fence, the normal career, the, the ego life story. But the ego has set down these rules. <laughs> they lie to you. The ego lies because hidden within you is a right mind that is whole. It's, it teaches that you are being. So the ego teaches that we're body and then we're born to die. So this is what Jesus meant when he said, follow me and you won't taste death, because Jesus was teaching from the right mind that knows we are being the being of perfect love. So we've got always got two choices. We can choose to be the ego mind, or we can choose to be the right mind that leads to awakening, because we must awake. Like we don't go back to God through death. We continue this cycle of birth, death, rebirth, which is what the Buddhists call samsara. So we go from one life to the other to the next until we awaken. All of us here have not awakened, otherwise we would not be here. So we've, we've got to continue to uncover our, our truth, our, our beingness uh, and not body. But to do that, you need to get out of the ego. And that's the gift for those that have suffered. The ego is not working for them. So sometimes the ego works for us and then we're fine to stay with the ego because we get a good life with it. But the ones that the ego is not working for that are in pain and being punished by it, they're the ones that have a chance to escape ego identification which is the true cause of our pain and punishment. Just to go back, Tash, to, to those, because I've just got a couple of questions that I'm thinking that our audience might have as well, so I just don't want to overlook this from when you were eight. One thing that comes to mind that's fascinating is that your parents were completely you know, non-religious. They didn't even want you to go to scriptures, as you say, and yet you had this innate love of God, as you say. It seems that yeah. it's something that was always with you. No, it was absolutely with me. Yeah, thousand percent. But you know, even though I say that, look, my parents are more spiritual now. My dad probably doesn't believe anything. He's, you know, um, my mum is definitely spiritual. She's definitely got some uh, psychic ability. Uh, so I, that's definitely run through the path. I've definitely got something from her, which probably would make sense. But you know, when I look back on my life, that I came to teach uh, the true way to forgive. That. And now this is going to be quite out there, but this is the way that Jesus forgave, the treasure map that I just introduced you to with the Song of Prayer. This is how Jesus forgave all those centuries ago. So he didn't forgive from the ego mind, which teaches forgiveness to destroy, where we, we forgive someone because they're a sinner, but we're a saint, and so we're going to overlook that sin I see in you. Jesus forgave from the right mind, so he went deep within and he accessed the power of oneness, which is where God is, and by accessing that truth of perfect love within, he was able to make miracles happen because that's what the power of oneness, of our beingness, can do. You mentioned Jesus and... I love him. <laughs> <laughs> so, another thing I want to share with, with the audience is that I was an only child and I spent, because of my trauma that maybe we'll talk about, in, in a, which was obviously happened before the age of eight, that sent me into my bedroom. So instead of playing, so, you know, the first couple of years I played with all the other kids and I was all happy to interact with them. And then I went through a, a trauma and I developed an absolute terror of people and of, of children. Uh, so I actually retreated to my bedroom and spent a lot of time in my bedroom, which you can imagine was very difficult for my parents because they're trying to pull me out of my bedroom and I'm trying to, to stay in my bedroom because I was terrified. But that's when God started to teach me. Everything happened for a reason, and uh, in those years, I used to long for an older brother to protect me, uh, and that call would come from so deep within, and then it wasn't for years later that I realized that that was my being calling out to Jesus, like Jesus is my older brother. I mean, I adore him. Not in, in a religious sense. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love all religions, but religion seeks to separate, which is what the ego does, whereas makes one religion correct, uh, whereas what I've learned from Jesus is that he loved everybody equally and he truly forgave because he knew they were not body. He knew they were being only because he found the right mind 
that taught spiritual truth and knowledge to him via revelation and not ego interpretation. Ego will never understand spiritual truth because the ego is separate and God is oneness. So they're mutually exclusive. So to understand true spiritual truths and what Jesus spoke of, you must find this right mind that teaches beingness. I did a lifetime of problem after problem, eating disorder, drugs, chronic fatigue syndrome, until I completely crashed in my 30s with acute PTSD, which was so severe that I actually asked the treating doctor to place me in a medical-induced coma, which is why I awakened. Um, Eckhart Tolle had spoken about a lot of people go through trauma. That go through trauma, they end up awakening, which obviously for me, the trauma led to my awakening because I could not sustain the ego thinking any longer. So what came to hurt me is actually the gift to awaken me. And and that's really what I teach people. Like, if you've got a life that the ego is working for, you're fine. You, you're going to get a lifetime at some stage where the ego doesn't work for you because we all have to wake up firstly to the right mind that teaches we're being because we can't just wake to God because it would be too terrifying. So we do it in, we do it slowly, I would say. And the slower, the gentler, the less traumatic it's going to be on you. It's a very radical message, forgiveness. True forgiveness, sorry. I, I've, uh, I also want to share this too because I'm when I was initially teaching this, I would talk about forgiveness and then I would speak about true forgiveness, but I was spelling it as in two words, uh, true and then space, forgiveness. And then I had a series of dreams. Now, I kept seeing these ancient manuscripts and these ancient old books and it kept saying or it had spelling true forgiveness as in one word um, and omit the E. Uh, so it's T-R-U and then forgiveness, one word, and then it had equals when you forgive at the cause and not merely the effects of form. So I kept seeing this over and over again, but I was unwilling to change it in my writing. Uh, but yeah, I'd go to sleep and I would see it. I ended up getting sick of these dreams that I changed the spelling in my work. And as soon as I changed the spelling, the dream stopped because I was back listening to God. Now, This type of forgiveness that God has taught me, that makes miracles happen because don't forget, Karina, the the trauma is still part of my ego mind. I don't teach from the ego mind. I teach from the right mind. So this true forgiveness that God taught me, that you forgive these layers that are in the subconscious mind that that cover our being perfect love that's inside us and that offer us all this knowledge and wisdom and this safety and security and this peace, like amazing peace, Yeah, it's not how forgiveness as the ego teaches because forgiveness as the ego teaches teaches forgiveness to destroy, meaning it separates, continues to separate, which separation, the belief in separation is our true cause. You are going to die in the body. The body is going to be hurt. You can't listen to the story that the ego tells you. You have to take what comes to hurt you to truly heal. So the message of forgiveness, and that's one that I've... True forgiveness. True forgiveness. True forgiveness. It's called forgiveness and how Jesus truly forgave. I just want to say that that is obviously the message of Jesus and it was the one that he was teaching when he was walking the earth. And I've been drawn to learn more about it over the years. Something has been drawing me to the message of, I called it forgiveness. I've only just learned about true forgiveness and we're going to go into your understanding of it further but it's it's such a radical difficult thing for people to get their heads around I'm talking about collectively like the collective consciousness and there is a blame game that I've noticed happens there's there's great resistance when something very awful happens and then perhaps the people at the heart of it offer their forgiveness there is almost outrage in some quarters when that happens. I don't know, Tash, you've got your work cut out. It's not an easy path. It's not, but I would, I know I was born to do this. It's the work that I was dreaming of doing when I was a little girl. Obviously, you know, A Course in Miracles with Helen Chuckman. Uh, I was uh, born in 1974, just after the completion of the scribing of this course. The course is a complete course. Jesus teaches you how to awaken, but he doesn't give you the way to truly forgive. That was left out of the course, and that's what I was born to, to bring in and teach. And you don't need to believe me, but if you start truly forgiving the way that God taught me, and I don't want to put Jesus aside. Without Jesus, I wouldn't have found my way back to God, but Jesus is is like the shepherd. He's going to shepherd you back to this right mind. But once he shepherds you back to the right mind where God is, he lets go of you and says, okay, now God's your teacher because I'm your equal. 
So we need Jesus to get back to the right mind. He was so important in my life. Even years ago, I was doing, I did free meet because obviously I had a very strong spiritual connection. I used to do mediumship readings. I never charged anybody, um, but anyone that would come across me would say, your guide, whoever you work with, is so powerful. It was Jesus who I was always working with. And I would always look inside and say, why am I doing these uh, spiritual readings, mediumship readings? And I used to think inside because I want people to know that God is real. He's not just this figment of our imagination. He's more real than this world itself. But you need to find God in revelation and not in theology. So what better way to teach it than to show that the death of the physical body is not the end? So in your mediumship readings, that's essentially what you're teaching in Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. That was his teaching too. The thing that I want to say is it's not me saying this is the way that, um, put it this way, 20 or so years ago, there was a famous teacher and he was a spiritual teacher and he was saying he could hear God speak to him and these were him his messages. And I was still in my ego mind, even though I was doing all of the, uh, the spiritual work and, and you know, connecting people to their loved ones. I wish I have an amazing, can I, I just would love to share this story because this story absolutely touched Please. my heart. Uh, but I, I just before, I'm, I'm swapping over the place, aren't I? But <laughs> so when he, this teacher in the 90s was saying he was connecting with God, my ego mind was how embarrassing that you would say that you believe that you can hear God. That's what, that's where I was. And I remember thinking I would never say that even if it happened to me. And then obviously fast forward 20 <laughs> years and I've gone through my awakening process and I'm like, I'm not going to say that I can hear God speak to me, but then that this is where I'm at though. This is the position I'm in. And it's not that he can, God speaks to everyone, but he speaks to the right mind, Karina. I just want to make that clear. And while you're stuck in ego mind, where, where all these, so I don't have any thoughts that run through my brain anymore. I have my awareness is in the lower gut area unless I get brought up to talk about the story. But most times my awareness is in the lower gut where there's stillness. Mm. So I'm just in a bubble of love at most times unless it's time for me to undo a shadow and I'm, I'm back in the ego mind. But then as soon as I can, I'm back doing the treasure map and truly forgiving the layers in the subconscious mind. But this story I wanted to share with you that is probably the one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me. It was Maybe 1999 uh, or, or 2001, uh, somewhere around there, uh, I was in Mykonos uh, with my partner at the time and uh, I was getting chronic fatigue syndrome. So I didn't have much energy and I, I again, was spending uh, time in the, in the apartment there while he was off work and just resting because I was so exhausted. When uh, I woke one morning and I said to my partner, I'm going to come into the bar with you today. Uh, and as I got there, I saw a, a lady sitting on a bar stool on her own and I went and sat down and spoke to her. As it turned out, she had lost her dad and she was not, she was American. Uh, she had lost her dad and she was not doing well and literally as though a presence overtook me and I just grabbed her hand and I took her out of there and then I just allowed the energy to, to go through me. Uh, I don't do readings like, like this anymore, but this moment I did this 30 minute session for her and I told her all these things it didn't even make sense to me and she was cuddling me and she was crying and she was telling me that I've saved her life and you know I was in my you know mid-20s I still probably didn't understand the importance of this at the time but the following year later uh, I didn't go to Mykonos I was in Sydney but I got a call from my my boyfriend and he said to me do you remember that lady that um that you, you connected with and you did, did the reading for last summer? And I said, yes. And he said, well, her uncle has just arrived from America and he's, I'm getting all teary now, uh, he's here because he wanted to come and say thank you. You saved his niece's life. She was going to kill herself. Like it was, she was absolutely going to die. And because of your connection with her and what you gave her, she's doing much better and she's still alive. Yeah, I've <laughs> never forgotten that. Like it was, it was just a moment in time that, just touched me so completely. Mm, yeah. Very powerful story and I absolutely am in agreement with you that these stories are absolutely powerful. It's really at the heart of the work that I do as well and yeah. all of the stories I've written about because I've seen time and again that these stories have the power to heal, like the understanding that our loved ones continue when the physical body has fallen away. That has the power to heal unlike anything else. You know, yeah. so yeah, lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Tash. 
just a few minutes ago, you referenced A Course in Miracles. And I think we need to just establish it a little bit for the audience who might not be aware of it or who might not understand what it's about. So it's a complete spiritual teaching. As you said, it's a self-study course. I've been studying it for six years and it was scribed by a woman called Helen Shookman. Do you want to share a little bit more about, about the course and how you came to learn of it in your life? Okay, so gosh, this is going back. So a funny story is in the mid-1990s, uh, my grandfather died. Uh, that That's not funny, but um, when I went to visit his coffin um, to say goodbye to him before he was about to be buried, I re- it was an open coffin, a casket, and I went to... Uh, leaned down to kiss him. I mean, I adored him, my pop. I mean, I was just, I was the only female in that side of the family. So you can imagine I was just the apple of his eye. I could just do the worst thing in the world and I was still amazing. <laughs> the only one in the whole world that would ever think that about me at the time. But I went to lean down to kiss him, Karina. And as I went to lean down, I heard my grandfather behind me say, I'm not there. I'm behind you. I've turned around and there's nobody there. Well, I was so terrified. I was Gosh, I was maybe like 22 at the time. I was so terrified that I didn't end up kissing him and I ran out. I was like, oh, my gosh, like what is going on with my mind? Um, So that happened. But then in the late 1990s or a couple of years after that, which we can talk about at a later date, I had a near-death experience and now that completely opened me up spiritually from this near-death experience. So I was quite fortunate. I was given a chance to, to go with them or to come back and, and I chose to come back and I was still suffering so much. So, but what I found interesting is in the body as Natasha in the mind, I was this, I was struggling from day to day. Like I was, there was no strength inside me. I was so weak, um, so vulnerable, so broken is how I would describe it. And yet when I had this near death experience and I came out of my body, I remember thinking how powerful I was like, so that's the difference between body identification that I'm talking about and beingness. But you don't have to have a near-death experience to experience your beingness. It's it's in the right mind that this work, this true healing tool that's called the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith, and the I forgive principle that is a gift from God um, and was how Jesus truly forgave uh, 2,000 odd years ago uh, because he did not forgive from the ego mind. He forgave from this truth of oneness that is inside all of us, um, which is where that son of God can be found. So that was the probably 97 I had. Yeah, 97, I had the near-death experience. And then actually a couple of months after the near-death experience, I had some friends in Sydney that committed suicide. There was a group of men, very good-looking, very very popular men, made a pact, and and unfortunately they killed themselves. Uh, But one of them I was very close to. And weirdly what happened is that, I mean, I loved him like a brother. He, He was so amazing. He is so amazing still. The day in Sydney that he killed himself, I woke up absolutely in crying from deep within, from my soul, absolutely crying like no other to the point that when I got into work, I had tears streaming down my face, had no idea why I was crying so much. Um, And I called my parents in Sydney. Now, they had just found out only like a couple of hours earlier. So I would have been sleeping at the time in London um, when they found out that he had committed suicide. So they were waiting for me to wake up and kind of get into the day to call me to let me know. But in actual fact, I had woken up absolutely broken inside, knew that something was not right. And I had called them just just broken. And they kept saying, what's the matter? And I kept saying, I don't know what's the matter. And so because I was so broken, they didn't have the heart to tell me. So I went through that day just crying and crying and I ended up leaving work because I had no idea what was going on with me. You know, I just met my Greek boyfriend a couple of months earlier. Everything was going great. Um, And it wasn't until the following day that another friend in Sydney Sydney called me and told me that uh, he'd killed himself. So, uh, you know, while I was asleep, obviously I, I knew this spiritually, but this boy that killed himself, when I was in London, he used to come into my room and he would dance in, in my room in front of me and he was actually the one that opened really opened the door spiritually for me where I actually started to dive into it and wanting to find out a bit more about it yeah it was him so this was the so this was after your NDE yeah yeah but I had the choice to come back mm. um, when I left the body um, I heard uh, there was no voice when I was above my body it was just a 
like a telepathic communication um, and they must have asked me if I was coming but I said no the time's not now not like this and my mother w- will not survive yeah do you want to share the story of the NDE now or would you rather okay, con- well, continue now that it's opened up, didn't think this was going to happen but <laughs> uh, so I was living in London I had been for about 12 months um, I actually left Sydney to go to London because so at this stage I was taking quite recreationally I was taking a lot of drugs just because, and I had a, an out of control eating disorder. I was, I was so broken, Karina. Like, yeah, I was so broken. But one day in question, I was out taking drugs, and the whole room went silent, even though I was taking drugs. And I was suddenly like so awake. And then this presence just said to me, in the middle of all this dance floor that just went silent, if you stay in Sydney, you will die. That's all the, the voice said. Obviously, my internal beingness answered this. Um, and six months later, I had moved to London. But I took my problems with me and I found the crowd that take drugs directly. And I started partying again, my problems away, working two jobs, doing anything I could just to avoid this. Like It was such a deep pain that I was experiencing and that I was running from. And uh, this night in question, uh, it was probably July 1997, and I had arranged to take six weeks off to go to Mykonos. Now, this is another weird story. This is prior to, like, the internet. Well, I didn't have the internet. Uh, I might have just had a computer at this stage uh, that I work with, but, you know, I wasn't on online all the time. Uh, so I didn't know uh, and I didn't want, you know, I didn't do all this where I'm going to travel to, but probably about three or four years earlier I'd been with my accountant and uh, he had said to me, he'd just come back from travelling all around Europe and he mentioned all these places, but he happened to mention a place called Mykonos that I had never heard of and it wasn't popular, like I didn't know anyone that knew about it um, and he said he'd been there and as soon as he said that, I said, I'm going there. Like it was a knowing inside me. And anyway, so I was planning on going to Mykonos, um, but the friend that I was going with, she had called me from the Greek islands and said, I was like leaving in like a couple of days' time, like in two days' time to meet her there. She called and she said she was so homesick and she was going back to Sydney. I was devastated because it meant I was not going to Mykonos now. And so that night I went home from work and, you know, as I said, I was struggling with eating disorders, so I probably hadn't eaten any food in my stomach that day and I remember just thinking I just need to just forget all of my problems because I don't know how I'm going to do another year in London. I felt so alone. Like my loneliness was so severe. Um, and that night I just went home from work and I took two ecstasy tablets and I got a bottle of wine and poured myself a glass and started drinking. Um, and, yeah, and so what happened was uh, I was in a bra and undies and I was standing up in front of a mirror, full-length mirror, and I was doing my makeup. And as I went to kind of get uh, the sponge for the foundation that was in my right hand and tap it into the foundation that was in my left, I realized that I was tapping my hand. I'd actually dropped the foundation, but I didn't realize it. And then I just felt this spiritual energy kind of uh, take hold of me and I felt my body take one step back and one step behind me was the bed and literally my body, instead of crashing to the ground, it crashed onto the bed and my body was now completely limp. I could not control my body. However, I was still alive inside my brain um, and I'm screaming at my body to lift your arm, I'm saying. Uh, get up. My body would not answer. I mean, it was the connection was gone. I couldn't control the body. Then my flatmate who had also taken drugs and was drinking, was who was going to come out with me, she came into the room and she's slapping me on the face and she ended up going, I could hear her. She went and got water and she's throwing water on me and she's telling me to get up and as she's telling me to do things, I'm I'm in my brain saying, speak, lift your arm. Like as she's saying, lift your arm, like she'd lift my arm up and I would, I'd be in there saying, hold your arm up, hold your arm up, and then my arm would fall and I'd be like, oh, no, like we're in trouble. So I'm, I'm talking myself through what's happening. I was aware I was in trouble uh, and panic was rising inside me. I remember thinking, I'm going to die. And then the next thought was, I thought I was afraid of death and, and literally just as I had that thought, this insane peace just dissolved all the fear and I felt myself rise from the body and next moment I knew I was on the ceiling and I was looking down at the body, which is really where God had been for me all those years prior. So I was looking down at the body and that's – I could see my friend, obviously the drugs had now kicked in for her. She was looking at clothes to, to, to try on to wear that night and so – They'd obviously asked me if I was going to come and and I had said no, like not like this, not even realising that 
my grandfather, who I didn't know, he had killed himself with a drug overdose, which is why I was saying my mum won't survive, not this again for her, because she would have actually then had the same lesson, uh, which is we find this in life, we get the same lessons. My mum mm. was very close to getting the same lesson, but I, I begged and I pleaded to come back. And I actually didn't have a very good relationship with my mother. Uh, I blamed her a lot for the suffering that I'd gone through. Like she was she used to say to me, I protected you. And I, in my mind, was like, you didn't protect me. That's weird. Mm. Um, so we didn't have a very good relationship. When you hold a grievance against someone, you separate. You can't know the love that they have for you. So even though my mum was loving me so much, I was so angry with her that I put the barrier up and I couldn't feel her love. So I couldn't get in. So then that's what the ego loves to do. It says, you didn't do this to me. But the cause is always within us. I blame my mum as you were talking in the, in, uh, the beginning. We love to point the finger because that keeps the belief in separation as being a truth. So the long of the short it was, that's how my near-death experience happened. And I really started to, when this other boy came to me, when he died, I started to get into spirituality and I found Louise Hay, uh, a pioneer uh, of the, um, the last century. I remember reading about her and she said when she was introducing positive affirmations, everyone kind of snarled and laughed at her and rolled their eyes. And I definitely have found this with the treasure map. However, I do know in the, in the decades to come, this will be the way that people truly forgive because uh, once you learn it, it makes miracles happen. Like I'm not broken anymore. I'm whole. I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have all these things that the ego tells you you need to be whole and to approve of yourself because I found this right mind that speaks of love and peace and innocence and it's whole. There's no lack involved. Yeah. But Louise Hay in one sentence wrote in one of her books, uh, she wrote a sentence about A Course in Miracles. And when I read that sentence, that knowing, like it, I knew I was going to Mykonos, it knew I had to find A Course in Miracles. So I put down Louise Hay and I was very new to her and I put her down and I went in search and I purchased ACIM and had no idea what this spiritual text meant, but I could feel love between every word like that. My right mind within mm -hmm. um, could feel it, that, that purity. And like I said, my ego mind was like, I don't understand any of this. Uh, so I could spend a whole day reading one page. But the ego mind is never going to understand the course because Helen described the course from this right mind that I'm speaking about, which is where Jesus truly forgave, where Jesus was based. Uh, so you have to find the right mind because the right mind speaks of oneness and wholeness, which is the message of the course. But the ego is a symbol of separation in time. So the ego will never know the true meaning of the course. So if you are reading the course from the ego mind, you will not be understanding it which is, you know, she, Helen wrote about this, but people that don't understand ACIM, please get yourself a copy. It is amazing. It is absolute truth. Some people find it and then they start experiencing darkness, but this is just another, I mean, I've gone through this. Uh, the ego has set up all these barriers to darkness, but you've got to go through the darkness to find the light mm. and you've got to learn to truly forgive deep within, which is that song of prayer, you, you, how you said you could feel me going deeper within. You've got to go deeper within because that wholeness is in the lower gut area of the body where that those gut feels and those hunches are, but it's called the right mind. I'm in constant communication with God, not because I'm special, but because I can hear the right mind, which I could hear when I came into this lifetime, which is why I heard it when I was a little girl. So that's the difference. I came in with like a, a, a different gift because mm -hmm. I do know a lot of people can't hear the right mind and that's they're getting stuck in the ego mind. But, you know, people are going to be coming through that are, are going to hear it much more clearer than what I do because we keep evolving over time. And, you know, someone that knows more comes comes along. So we just got to present these stepping stones. Yes, and that's one of the things the Course says, actually. It says that there are many paths to truth and ACM is one of them. And I love that about A Course in Miracles. For all of its beauty and its complexity, and it really is, you know, a most extraordinary piece of literature in, in so many respects. And that's what can I just say amazing? Sure. Mm. And I just think, how did Helen have the strength to scribe and the confidence with Bill and obviously with Ken to birth this into the world such trust and faith? Because when when you really get down in the right mind and you learn the truth of this via revelation, because it was so ahead of its time, I would say. Yes, that yes. I just, yeah. I but mean, let's... I, know, I know Helen never wanted to be special, and she isn't because she is the same as us. But yes. that personality of the Helen, it took seven years of her life to describe this. I just want to say, like, a huge thank you, even just for me. Like, when I felt, when I first read those words, I was coming home, Karina. I was like, this, this is it. Like, I'm with you, understand. Tash. 
I'm with yeah. you. I felt the same. And I think it would be, um, it would serve our listeners to know a little bit more about just the background about how it came to be. So you mentioned Helen, you mentioned Bill. They were two academics in... Psychologists. In, yeah, psychologists at, I think it was Columbia University. They were professors, yeah. yes, in New York, and they were uh, in the upper Nicole echelons. The of ac- yeah, the upper echelons. Yeah. You can see that with the way that she writes. Oh, my goodness. Know? Honestly, like you can see how intelligent both of them were and they were bickering all the time, but they're teaching psychology like how to heal your life and, you know, they've decided, you know, there must well, Bill was like, there must be an, another way, so... Yeah, that's Bill Thetford I'm, I'm referencing. Bill Thetford, um, and that's what he actually said. As you said, they were bickering and there was always a, an atmosphere of, of unhappiness and chaos. And yeah. Bill Bill actually said, and this is all on the on the website, you, everybody can go and read it. Yeah, the Foundation for Inner Peace. Yes, look up the Foundation for Inner Peace. And Bill actually reached out to Helen and said, there must be another way. And Helen in that moment, and apparently this was very uncharacteristic of Helen, who was a very fiery personality, very feisty. And she wasn't in that moment. She answered him and said, yes, and I'm going to help you find it. Yeah, yeah. And so that that night she um, heard a voice and it it began to say, this is a course in miracles. Please take notes. And that's how it began. And it is what came out of it was a huge document. Like it's a it's a brick. Like it will hold your door open, yeah. <laughs> and it's text, and which is like the foundational principles of the course. And it is um, the, the yes. And then there are the lessons. There's a lesson for every day of the week because it's a very practical course. Yeah, and and true, Tash, yeah. you mentioned there's a manual for teachers as well. Yes, there are appendix and other other pieces. But you mentioned the grievances, and one of my favourite of the daily lessons and as yeah, there is, there's one for every day of the year is called Love Holds No Grievances and it's one of the most beautiful lessons in the course. I actually had it, I think it was two days ago, it was my day for Love Holds No Grievances and it is this idea, which is everything that you're talking about today, that if we hold a grievance, big or small, it will block the light of truth in us. It will stop the right mind. Go on, explain yeah, to us. So- so the grievance belongs to the ego mind because to have a grievance, you have to have separation. You have to have difference. The ego mind is a symbol of separation in time, which which has made the body its home, which seems as though we're separate. So you need to find the right mind that knows wholeness where there can be no difference. And that's how perfect love is found. This truth of love that this this lesson is speaking of is found in the right mind. And this is where a lot of course students are going wrong. They think that the right mind means to to concentrate on being happy, um, and, but that just maintains this belief that you're separate and different. You, the biggest point is uh, is to find the right mind. I remember when I first introduced. I went into a, a, a group online for ACIM and I basically said, you know, the right mind is in, is being hidden in the in the lower gut area. You know, when you get those gut feels and those hunches, that divine guidance, that's the right mind. But you're only getting it sporadically because you're stuck in this constant thinking of the ego mind. You've got to dig within, truly forgive every barrier to love's presence and go down like knock. And you do that with the I forgive principle. Um, and then you'll find this truth of wholeness within you, which is the right mind. And then you get the happy dream in time. And then once you get the happy dream in time, then God will awaken you. So that's kind of how it goes, a short s- summary of it. Mm. But as you said, Helen sat down to write, this is A Course in Miracles, please take notes. I remember the first time when I started the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith, and the I forgive principle, which is a practical application of ACI forgiveness. Now, the Foundation of Inner Peace have not confirmed this, but it doesn't need to stand with the course. However, if you do start to forgive within the layers, which is what the treasure map is, to find this truth of love inside you, you're going to understand the course. You're going to look at a page and go, oh my gosh, because it's going to teach you via revelation. So the people that I have taught the treasure map to that were not ACIM students prior, they literally, they're so good with ACIM. They know the true meaning because they're listening to the right mind within that is, is the true teacher. But I wanted to say in so I've always known how to forgive within these layers. I've been doing it for about 20 years now. But in about 2010, I remember thinking, I don't have the words to teach this. How could I teach anyone this? I don't know how to teach this process. Um, and I actually sat down and, um, and that voice um, that I ascribed, it said, uh, faith, is, faith is an acronym 
of forgiveness, authenticity, introspection, trust, and honesty. And it's basically how you truly forgive and make miracles. It is ACI and forgiveness. Yeah, it's a missing piece of the puzzle that was left out of the course. Um, the piece of faith. It, well, yeah, fa- faith is we, referenced in the course, but you take it further. Well, no, because the ego teaches you faith is like some idol theology. And it just says, you know, if you forgive, you're going to find God. But if you forgive as the ego teaches, you're not going to find God because you're going to stay with the ego mind. You've got to find the right mind. Because you're believing um, that the person that has committed true. something and they've done it's something true. wrong, so yeah, you're still yeah. in the ego. You're still judging yeah, yeah. them. Right. Yep. But, however, the ego is so cunning that it's set up a system that when you forgive with the ego, it's going to give you a little bit of reprieve and make you feel a bit better. Yeah. So it's not – so it's – how Jesus talks about it goes from vicious to suspicious or, you know, um, it is so clever, but it's not as clever as God. And, you know, God says he gave you the Holy Spirit to to heal you. But the Holy Spirit in form is actually the treasure map. And by following the faith of God, which is how you truly forgive, it's going to guide you deep into the subconscious mind to truly forgive every barrier of darkness, to find this right mind that I speak of, like, don't overlook the right mind if you read through the course. It's so important. And when Helen talks about she wrote it from inner voice, she wrote it from the right mind. You need to find the right mind, which speaks of peace, love, and innocence for all because it teaches beingness. But you can feel it. it I, can't, I can't teach it to the ego mind. You have to experience it yourself mm. because it teaches you via revelation. And there is something, as you said, there is a real dimension of feeling when when you read the course and it is so incredibly dense. Like you could spend a day on on half a page, you know. It is an absolutely (laughs) extraordinary piece of work. And I I love it. Parts of it are written in iambic pentameter like Shakespeare. Like it is an incredible amazing, aren't they? Yeah. A huge thanks to everyone that, you know, even like the foundation of Inner Peace. Just for I don't know, maintaining that it stays here. Mm. Uh Oh, now that we've um, introduced this, do we have time for me to speak about when, um, not a near-death experience, but when God took me out of time to teach me? Go on. Okay. Tell that story. So, uh, gosh, I got so unwell because I was struggling from day to day. Like, as I said, some egos are broken, but some are broken, broken, broken. And mine was broken, broken because we either project the guilt out and we blame another or... We hold it within and we blame ourselves for everything. They're normally like the the sensitive people and that's what I did. So I would absorb everybody's darkness and then I was not projecting mine either. I was keeping it. I was stuffing it in. So I basically was overflowing with darkness and I was just so broken that to just keep going was just like a nightmare. Ended up getting acute PTSD and uh, for five years I was back in my old childhood bedroom um, you know, I, I realize now it was my chosen place to heal. But mm. those years were like of suffering. It was just day and night of constant, constant, uh, like pure punishment, I used to, to call it. But that was when my ego mind was cracking open. But every moment, like every single moment, uh, and I couldn't, like if I went to sleep, I had nightmares, like nightmare after nightmare. So every moment for me was terror-filled. And when you go a long duration of this, you become so exhausted from it because it's like running a marathon. Like you might, it's not a sprint. You might be okay for the first 40 kilometers, but the the last 10 is just like soul destroying for you. And that's kind of where I was at this moment. um, It was a, it was a day, maybe around about 2010. um, And both my parents were in the kitchen, which is not very far from my old childhood bedroom. And I was lying on my bed um, at a 90 degree angle and I was just in my mind, like every cell of my body just kept saying trauma and stress. Like it was so traumatic every moment that I could hardly breathe. And I'm not exaggerating that. When all of a sudden I felt my, like my spirit li- being lifted up out of my body, like as though someone was lifting my spirit up. Now I've had many instances of this, but it was always in meditation. And I'd be taken through kind of like black holes to different times. And so I was taken into the future a lot or, you know, into the past. On this day, though, I was taken so far up that I seemed to be going through different blocks of time is the only way I can describe it. Don't forget, I'm so broken in the body that I can't even leave the house. I can't leave the house unless I've got someone with me. And I'm pretty much in there at all the, all the time. Because if you say boo to me, I'm, I'm already in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to die. Like I was fighting to keep myself alive. But as I was taken out of my body and I seemed to go further and further up, The only way I can describe it is it seemed like I was taken through different time periods externally until I was taken so far out that I was now outside of time. And all of a sudden, uh, in this 
in this experience, I was no longer confined to like the limited separate self, um, like the seeming soul, the still part of this um, dream of death and duality. I was outside of time. I was actually now the son of God. Now, there's no one son of God. We are all the son of God in the name of oneness. Now, I want to make that clear. So I'm not talking about my ego mind of Natasha. It's got nothing to do with my ego or body. It's completely separate from my ego mind or body. It's our beingness. So I was outside of time, back to the truth of who we are. And I was so expansive that the freedom and the power that I felt and the love was so intense that I was shocked that I was in a stupid little body and that I couldn't even say hello to anybody or speak on a telephone because I was so broken. And now I was everything. Like I stretched everywhere. I realized in this moment that there's only one of us here, that there's only one mind. This is why this experience was given to me so that I could understand by revelation. There's only one mind that dreams, this seeming dream that tells us that we're sinful of separating from source because we aren't body, we are being, perfect love. You know, I was the people that I was accusing of the trauma. They were me, I was them. We're not, we're not different. I'm you, Karina, you're me. I'm the listeners, the listeners are me. But it's from our truth of being, not body and ego mind. And... Unfortunately, in this moment, though, I had the thought, please, like, unlike the near-death experience where I decided to come back, I had the thought, please don't send me back. Like, I did not want to go back to that body and the, and the intense suffering that I was going through. And as soon as I had the thought, it broke it. And then I literally f- found myself tumbling is the only way I could describe it. I seemed to be tumbling back down through time, through different eras and centuries. Um, and then I literally landed in the body with a sod in like this prison. I would describe it as a prison sentence. That's how I would describe the ego mind and the the body. It's a prison for who we are in truth. Like we are not limited. We are everything. And boy, did I cry that day. But I do want to say when when we say that Jesus is the son of God, we are, but only in the truth of beingness, which is what I experienced outside of time. So the one beloved son of God is Jesus, yeah. but it's also all no, of us. All of it's us. humanity. Jesus the the is one just like Jesus is one of us, a personality that under the ego mind learned how to truly forgive from God because he could obviously hear God and he found the right mind that allowed him to make these miracles happen. Even now I like I get complete peace. Like I get a wholeness. I get abundance within that even if I don't have something on the level of form, I don't feel lack anymore because all lack belongs to the belief in separation, the ego mind. So I'm in this cocoon of, of love inside that I would not swap. I mean, the Bible even talks about the peace of God. Nothing surpasses it. And now that I've found that, I would not give this up for anything in the entire world. You could not buy it from me. It's that valuable. And Tash, you're saying that that peace is available to all of us. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. And once you find the right mind, that right mind is going to tell you you are the son of God. And you ca- it can't be denied. How do you know you're in the ego mind or the right mind? If you've got separating thoughts of judgment running through your brain, like I don't like that dress she's wearing or that man is not very nice, you're still stuck in ego identification. The right mind has none of those thoughts. It has discernment. Like, for example, that man from my past that was is filled with darkness. The, the, the right mind says... He's, he's completely surrounded by fear. If you enter, he's going to throw shade your way and you're probably going to be hurt. So maybe don't go that way. That's kind of the difference. There's no judgment with the right mind and there's no, set, there's no, set, there's no constant barrage of thoughts. It's a stillness. Just, I love to be on my own because I'm with God. And, and Eckhart Tolle talks about that stillness as well. Yeah, That's amazing. It's worth the awakening. I mean, because it's not easy to awaken. You have got to go through the dark to go to the light and that's when people turn back. They say, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Um, but if you keep going and just keep one way is obviously true forgiveness. There's many other paths, as, as the Course says, but you'll know what path is right for you. Listen to your inner voice and uh, trust yourself and uh, you'll find your way out. It's the ego mind you have to escape, nothing else. The dark night of the soul that so many um, mystics and teachers have talked about over the centuries. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we um, are going to pick up next week where we've left off. I want to hear all about how you received the teachings of the treasure map, true forgiveness, the I forgive principle. I want you to describe them in detail uh, for our listeners. When we pick up again next episode, we've still got more to discuss. So would you be happy to come back on the show and um, continue our conversation? 
Of course, I wouldn't. Thank you, Karina, for giving me a platform to um, share God's true healing tool with the world. I'm very grateful. Well, I'm so happy to have finally had the chance to have this conversation with you, Tash. Before we go, let our listeners know how they can get in contact with you and read more about your work. They can go to uh, Tash McKenna, uh, the URL, www.tashmckenna.com, or they can simply Google uh, the treasure map of true forgiveness, faith, and the I forgive principle, and they'll find me. It's really the uh, the, the treasure map they need, not me. Uh, the teacher that they need to truly heal and to change their life from fear to love is the treasure map, and uh, she makes miracles happen. She, that's right, because it's a feminine principle, and we're going to talk more about that next episode as well. I love the idea that because you were told it's feminine, you were told that yes. specifically, weren't you? Yes, yeah, specifically. That's wonderful. Tash, it's been an absolute joy. I'm so excited to continue our conversation. Thank you for sharing so candidly, so authentically from the heart today. I know that all you want to do is serve and and give these tools to the world so that they too can feel the peace that you've encountered. I really thank you for that. Before we close, I would like to say on my website, I do offer this process for free, as well as a journaling exercise. It takes about 90 minutes and a 20-minute meditation. So how they can learn to forgive these layers in the subconscious mind to to move from fear to love uh, that makes miracles happen. Well, I'll link to your website in the show notes and then maybe our listeners can have a look at that and have that in mind for when we come back next episode. That's great. Thanks, Tash. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll talk again next week. And love to all your listeners as well and to yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, lovely. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Have an experience you'd like to share with me? Get in touch at my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story.